It's about agency. And just like me, growing up in the neighborhood of Cochrane Gardens in St. Louis, I felt powerless until somebody helped me see the power that I have inside of me. I did not take power from somebody. I used the power I already have. It is here, it has always been here. It was here in the beginning. I just didn't feel it. And now all the trash is gone. Not only can I feel it, I can see it. And it feels pretty damn good. Terrell focuses his gaze at what feels like the center of my eye. His posture is in alignment. Shoulders square, chin lifted slightly above his expanding chest as he takes a breath in and bellows from his stomach. We believe that every single person that if you believe in God or not, has agency, they have power. And the problem with many people that live in these neighborhoods is their power has been thwarted from the beginning. Terrell is in his power now. I remember meeting Terrell eight years ago when we both left the classroom to organize in Baltimore. I met him through BUILD, when the organization helped found the Baltimore Education Coalition. The coalition started working on a campaign to address the dilapidated school facilities in the city. Terrell was tenacious in that campaign to provide students with the learning environments they deserve. In 2012, the coalition voted me to co-chair the Baltimore Education Coalition. We led the unification of 3,000 people then-Mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, Baltimore City Public Schools under the leadership of Dr. Andres Alonzo, and three-quarters of Maryland's legislature to secure $977 million in funding to renovate and reconstruct school facilities for Baltimore's 85,000 students. BEC, we've been here before. We were here two years ago in the rain, 1,500 strong. We've been here before, keeping our promise to our children, keeping $100 million in our schools. We have been here every week in Annapolis, keeping our promise to our children. And you know what? We're back. I told the leadership in Annapolis, when the confetti falls on Sonny Dye on the last day of the session, we will have a deal for Baltimore schools. Right after the school construction win, Terrell's organizing in the Oliver community started moving deeper into the beginnings of the jobs movement with Melvin, Pastor Prentice, Cheryl, and several others. Terrell's drive for better education and employment opportunities comes from going through much of his own childhood and young adult years without them himself. Failure is a big part of my life. Uh, I went to, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood, very violent neighborhood in St. Louis. Went to some very bad schools, schools that didn't believe in teaching or preparing people for college. I wanted to go to college. My grandmother said, you are going to college. Of all my grandchildren, you are going to college no matter what, you are going to college. You have everything it takes. And, and I believe that. I went to school uh, from sixth grade to 12th grade. I didn't miss not one day of school. I had perfect attendance all through middle school and high school. But when it was time to go to college, I couldn't make it through the first semester. 
And that would happen over the next 20 years. I would go to seven different universities only to flunk out in the first semester. Found myself $70,000 in debt. Until I realized a, good, a great friend of mine really believed in me. And he kept pushing. Every time we get together, I talk about school. I'm going back to school. And one day he's like, I'm sick of it. I'm done. We're getting up. We're going to Prince George's Community College right now. We're going to read. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're going to do it. We got up. We went to Prince George's Community College. I remember taking the entrance exam. And the young lady said to me, you're going to have to take three remedial classes. I'm like, I'm not taking the three remedial classes. And he says, yes, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. And so the lady kind of saw something going on. So she moved away. He's like, you got to take the I'm like, I'm not taking these classes. And I said, I graduated number 26 out of 659. And the lady heard me. And she turned to us and said, well, who was your competition? You know, my first thing was, who the? <laughs> but she was right. I went, I was a part of a system that failed all 659 of us. And none of us could make it through college. And so I took those remedial classes. And today I sat here with two, we had an undergrad and two masters. And I see the same thing in the people in that basement. Right. We have to be the catalyst to say to them, it's never too late. Just because everybody else threw your life away, you don't have to because you're the first arbiter of your life. Octavia Mason, a mother and survivor of domestic abuse, has persevered through her process with Turnaround Tuesday, despite many barriers that have stood between a job and her growth. I first saw Octavia outside, smoking a cigarette just before a Turnaround Tuesday session at Macedonia Baptist Church, near her home in the Sandtown Winchester area of West Baltimore. She was wearing an ankle-length diaphanous electric blue skirt that chased behind her when she paced the sidewalk. Her natural jet-black coils pulled into a high ponytail. I noticed the purpose in her gait and how her eyeliner winged out like Cleopatra. Her wide-set eyes locked on something in front of her that I could not see. She was in her power. I walked up to her, and I learned that she was a former pharmacy technician. Her journey with Turnaround Tuesday started in February of 2018, after hearing from a friend about the movement. She intended to focus on herself and rebuild the pieces of her life that shattered after leaving a marriage that took a part of her soul. Leaving her husband took strength that Octavia could not maintain on her own. Her depression made it hard to leave the house. She turned to heroin for the pain. I was out using drugs for six years after a, a destructive, abusive marriage. I lost everything in the marriage. I lost everything. And when I mean everything, I mean my home went in foreclosure. Um, I was going to the house of Ruth because he was beating me up. Um, I didn't love myself no more. He just took, 
he took the joy out of me and I started using drugs. And one day I woke up and said, I can't do this. This is not me. I have too much to offer. Octavia was well on her way to turning her life around. She found healing, a place of repair, inspiration, and purpose with Turnaround Tuesday. Determined to get the jazz-dancing, life-giving old Octavia back, she started studying for the pharmacy board exam, walking miles every day, and changing her diet to incorporate more fruits, salads, and water. Then, her young adult son with special needs was violently struck by a car and severely injured while he was at work. He could have been killed on impact. The recovery that Octavia sought for herself shifted to her son who needed her care. For almost a year, Turnaround Tuesday worked with Octavia's son to help him land in a role while Octavia nursed her son back to health. When I met Octavia, she kept saying, in between drags on her cigarette, and almost religiously, It's just amazing how Turnaround Tuesday just brought everything back to me. So now I'm back to me, where the journey is back to me, and I am um, focusing on the pharmacy board exam getting reinstated. Octavia's son was hired in June of 2019, and it is indeed now her time. The most pressing and common barrier to employment is finding Turnaround Tuesday participants a place to sleep at night. On any given night, over 2,669 people in Baltimore are homeless. According to a 2017 report, 83% of those without shelter in the city are Black. Most are single. And most identify as male. The number of people without homes or places to stay is likely higher given that the 2017 number only includes those who gave consent to participate in the city survey conducted in certain areas of Baltimore during a particular time. Housing is not meant for individual people. It's not meant for single people. Um, and even it's not meant for families, I feel like. Says Michelle Benjamin, case manager for Turnaround Tuesday. She continues telling me about a young man who recently began coming to Turnaround Tuesday, who's looking for a job and a place to stay. Being his age and at his space in life with no children, single, not married, whatever, he's at the very bottom of the list. And so this list is four years long. Like, that's the wait list. Four years. Like, who can wait four years for housing? I'm filling out this application because I need housing now. Like, it's not, I don't need it in four years. I need it now. For several others like him who come to Turnaround Tuesday, securing housing comes first before the job search. But we find that young people, it's really, really hard. Those, the, 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 the act of being homeless is a, a, a real tension between getting a job and doing something that may not allow them to ever get a job again. Turnaround Tuesday is unlike most workforce development programs in that participants are not mandated to attend every Tuesday. Instead, participants must own their process and be motivated to show up for themselves, not because a program dictates they must, but 
Before a participant begins interviewing for jobs, they must engage with and get to know the Turnaround Tuesday staff by completing an assessment with Michelle. Leaning in, with her fingers interlaced and hands clasped tight together, just under her chin, she shares. Sometimes I have people who sit in front of me who clearly have symptoms of mental illness and clearly are managing symptoms and having a hard time with it. And those people are the people that make me stay because I see how you go from day one of assessment to maybe day 15 or day 25 of going to essential skills and coming out a different person and really being able to work with what you have and excel and not let that bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety hold you in this place where you can't go forward. After meeting with Michelle, participants schedule two individual meetings with staff, then resume and interview preparation sessions, then they complete 30 hours of essential skills workplace training. Terry Delavecchia, a life coach from the International Coaching Federation, is one of a handful of volunteers who prepare Turnaround Tuesday participants for their upcoming interviews. Spirited and punchy, Terry's look catches the eye. She is among the first 65-year-olds I've ever met with teal hair and a rainbow-colored feather tricep tattoo. Terry grew up just outside of Baltimore City, within a thriving Jewish community in Pikesville. So I came on that first Tuesday and not knowing what to expect and then you're you're kind of caught up in the training and, and Terrell has all this charisma and I mean he could be a multi-million dollar motivational speaker but he's not, he's here, which is a telling thing too. Um, and I didn't know anybody except the other coaches that came with me. And I went to the evaluation meeting after. And I kind of just listened and I thought, okay, I'm coming next Tuesday. And then you get caught up in it and you start meeting people and you notice and hear and listen and you realize that this is how we clean up Baltimore. This is how we help people. And, and this is how I can help people. Finally, at the end of the process, Bree sits down with each participant conducts an individual goal-setting meeting, and then begins matching them with potential employers to send out their job application. The successful participants consistently attend Turnaround Tuesday sessions, meet with staff, and take the initiative to prepare for their interviews. Building such a relationship takes time. This isn't your typical workforce development program. It's, it's not you sign a piece of paper, you go to five weeks of training, you get a piece of paper and pray that you get a job. This is um, organized where people come in, they, we meet them where they are. Um, you can come in if you're high, drunk, or whatever. We're not going to throw you out. We're going to work with you. But we know you're not ready to go to work. Those that are ready, we're going to expedite it as quickly as possible. But the important thing is the relationship because, again, we need to because of the strong relationships we have with these anchor institutions, it's important that we keep those. We want to make sure that people are ready to go to work. And because of that, we have an 84% retention rate over a two-year period for people that we help place into jobs. Sometimes the process for a participant can even be fast-tracked or expedited. 
The participant must still follow through with the elements of Turnaround Tuesday's job placement process, but if the opportunity strikes and an employer wants to hire the participant, the staff moves forward and supports the placement. Terrell stands for moving the job process along purposefully and swiftly. Unwaveringly, he believes. Fast track does not mean give the person a job. Fast track means prioritize this person. Uh, For me, it means let's walk this person through because their situation is so fragile that at any time they could fall. And I think that's why it's so important to really get to know the person. You know, so you understand, is this a situation where somebody is getting ready to crack now? Or are they just using the language suggesting they're ready to crack? But they've got a lot more to go and they're used to this and this is how they've lived. At the same time, instead of like making bad decisions to try to make money, it's a positive way to make money. So, and I like it. So, I, so that's no paper, no purpose. Like, what's the point of doing it if, if I don't like it? David is 18 years old, a recent graduate from high school in Baltimore City, and he's looking for a job. He wears a box weave textured white cotton shirt from his clothing line called No Paper, No Purpose. David could not afford a lawyer to defend a weapons charge against him. So he took the first plea deal offered and spent four months incarcerated. His mother gave him one of the Turnaround Tuesday agendas days after he was released from jail. On the agenda, David noticed a connection to the ethos of his No Paper, No Purpose brand Within the second line of the higher purpose, your pain is your purpose. That's why, that's one thing that uh, grabbed my attention to him, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. But like on, I, my mother gave me one of the brochures to, to um, turn around Tuesday and it said, your pain is your purpose. So once I saw that, I'm like, it just, it just gave me like, it just grabbed my attention. He decided to give the movement a try. Basically, me, I feel as though like if you know, if like if you want to do something, you gotta have a purpose behind it, and and you put your passion in it, and eventually it'll make you money. David is one of the young men who take a chance on Turnaround Tuesday and hope to land a job. The staff feel an incredible urgency to catch young men as soon as they find themselves in Zion's church basement looking for help. We find that young people do crack. They do. And so when we have young people like the the young man we were talking about, I am clear that if I have someone that has the barrier of homelessness, the barrier of employment, the barrier of no insurance, um, I know that Anything that happened on any given day will make them crash. And I may not ever see them again. We may not ever see them again. And so I'll say, or we'll say, let's fast track this person, which means let's pay, let's pay special attention to this person and help them to push this process. I texted David while writing this piece to check in on him and his job search. He texted back. Hey, Yasmin, how are you? And I've been doing fine, thanks to Turnaround Tuesday. 
I work at UPS, and because of my schedule, it had been kind of hard to make it to the session. But thank you. David is doing well. And he is on his way with power, dignity, and agency. Some staff members differ in what they call devoting attention to participants like David. Cheryl weighs in and explains what she calls a healthy tension between pushing someone through the Turnaround Tuesday process and taking the time out to get to know them better before sending them out for job interviews. So there are people that come to us that some, each one of us want to go to bat for. This person's really strong. They're ready. I know it. And you have to rely on your team to say, hold it. Remember when we sent John forward like that and he failed the drug test? Or remember when we sent so-and-so forward and they, the first conflict they got in on the job, they walked off? We thought they were ready because they presented as if they are ready and you had a personality connection. Because we're, we're human. We have someone that we connect with and we want to help them get there fast because everyone feels you know, incredible pressure to provide for their families and, and start making money. And, um, and people you know, often come to us really on the edge, um, understandably. They've been uh, multiple places. So we all have to like, temper that, um, that, ur- that urge to want to deliver um, too soon. Regardless of the duration of the process, the staff commits to addressing the barriers to employment for young men in Baltimore without hesitation. But we know that if we don't capture this person right then and there, we may lose them. And losing them could mean a lot of things. Losing them to drugs it could mean losing them to, the, to, to death, to being murdered on the streets of Baltimore, which is very common. I'm Tom Hall. This is Midday. On a November 6th, 2019 broadcast of Midday, hosted by Tom Hall, current Baltimore Mayor Jack Young recognized Turnaround Tuesday's work as a deterrent to crime in the city. Today it's Midday with the Mayor. Baltimore City Mayor Jack Young joins me for the hour. We have training programs like Turnaround Tuesday for anyone who has a criminal record. They can go to Turnaround Tuesday um, by build on East or the West Side. And they actually get good jobs, but it's a program where you have to stick with it. And they follow you for two years to make sure you're stable. Those are the kind of things that's going to stop the crime, getting the guys off the corner and into some productive job opportunities. We have a number of calls for you, Mr. Mayor. For the fifth year in a row, over 300 people have been murdered in the city this year. 90% of the victims were black. According to a November 2019 Baltimore Sun article, 271 men died, and 43% of all those who lost their lives were in their 20s. The staff at Turnaround Tuesday know getting a young man a job in Baltimore City and on a path to earning income to provide for his basic needs can mean the difference between his life and his death. It is imperative that the staff act quickly to support him whenever he walks into Zion Baptist Church's basement on a Tuesday morning. Maybe Rakim will be one of them.
Oftentimes, the Turnaround Tuesday staff does not wait for young men to find themselves in Zion's basement. Instead, they go to them. Brandon Monroe and Terry Aldridge, known as Terry and Monroe, are part-time staff tasked to lead the youth movement of Turnaround Tuesday. Both men are in their 20s and devote half of their week to building a future cohort of Baltimore's young men interested in becoming entrepreneurs, going back to school, and earning a living for their families. What you mean, boss, what? What's your plan? What's my plans? And what, like, the next five years? No, next couple months. Next couple months, I'm gonna be a great daddy. Drew and several other young men squeegee car windshields with cleaner and water for money. The hum and the whir of the cargo trucks make it hard to hear over the street rumbling below our feet. The squeegee team dart in and out of the car lanes, hustling for quick work. Some drivers offer a few dollars, and some offer a few choice words. It's coordinated and chaotic. Basically, just out here, trying to make a couple dollars. For the next couple months, I should be right there, working right there. I should be working right He there. points to the factory warehouse owned right by the there. grocery retailer, no. B. Green and Company. Good 13 an hour. I need to come up. I'm trying, bitch. I'm trying to get to the point where it's though. I can make sure all my family out here is good. And don't have, they don't have to come back out here no more. Drew has a baby on the way and a household to take care of. He applies for jobs and keeps getting denied. There's been a couple jobs where I, I, can, I can say that, you feel me? I feel like they didn't choose him because of his face tats or, you feel me, him just being, looking how he looked. And that's, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is, you know. So I, so that's what I tell I say, you know, that's going to happen. You know, people do discriminate. That's Tony, another young man out in the corner with Drew. He tells Terry and Monroe this while they give him more Turnaround Tuesday brochures to pass out to his family and others. The team has a vision for Turnaround Tuesday's youth movement. It includes creating a place of belonging and pairing a job with a youth-oriented essential skills training. The hope is to provide a steady stream of income and an affirming environment that will keep the young men and others on a positive path. I noticed several young men come to Zion's basement for their first Turnaround Tuesday session, hoping to gain employment like David. I also notice when they do not come back. I ask Melvin about what I see, and he offers me this. And part of that is because it's not fast enough. Um, you know, we understand people need money, and if, you know, on top of that, if we're paying, we're helping them get a job making $13, $14 an hour, and the streets are paying four or five times that, you're really competing. Uh, now we try to help them understand that this is a safe way. Um, but a lot of times, you know, people are either accustomed to making fast money 
or they need money right then and there. And our process, again, this is when our process may not work for them. And, you know, just sometimes you just have to err on the side of caution. So, but, you know, we, we pray for them and hope that they're okay. Um, and, you know, our doors are always open, so they can, they're certainly welcome to come back at any time. This city has to realize that it has not built the right infrastructure for people to thrive in it. It just has not. We're going to continue to need a turnaround Tuesday in this city until we change the education system, change recreation, and change safety. If we don't change those three systems, there's going to always be a need for Turnaround Tuesday because these systems are going to always break people and we're going to have to find them, help them to put themselves together. And so we have to be in the repairing business all the time, constantly repairing people. And I think that's what Turnaround Tuesday does. So now we're going to begin an exercise with Pastor Prentice. So we're going to pick up our chairs and take them to the side. Pastor Prentice appears. Dressed for the occasion and no longer in his light gray pinstripe suit. He commands the room to attention in a dark blue tracksuit. The room feels hopeful, jubilant, and new. A cathartic release at the end of each session sends participants off on their way towards their own futures. Some go to JC to sign up for work on their resumes. Some go to Bree to check in on their application. Some go to Michelle for their assessment. And some go to Cheryl to sign up for essential skills. Melvin holds open a side door for people to file in and evaluate the session with Pastor Prentice. Terry finishes his sidebar conversation with a young man visiting Turnaround Tuesday for the first time. Monroe helps a participant up the basement steps. No matter the next step, the staff is ready to join each along their journey.
Every Tuesday, I witness a deep repair of community in a city of systems that can mercilessly come down hard on people's spirits. Radiance of power, dignity, and agency, I witness Ty, William, Octavia, Tina, Shirley, Dee, Brandy, Ben, Nicole, David, Drew, and Tony. I witness them return back to their center and who they remember themselves to be. Even if for a moment, I witness each of them hold and trust Turnaround Tuesday. I hope Rakim will one day trust Turnaround Tuesday and show up in Zion's basement. I sent him a Facebook message just after I saw him that August afternoon. Hi, Rakim. I was very happy to see you the other week when I was out with Turnaround Tuesday. I hope you and your family are doing well. I'd like to catch up with you. Maybe you could take a break for an hour soon? I'll be at the church next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Or we could meet somewhere else. Let me know. I hope to hear from you. Yasmin. I have not heard back from him. I pray that I do. This has been Higher Purpose, a portrait of the jobs movement turning around Baltimore, a counter to the narrative about our city. It's a story of Turnaround Tuesday, a jobs movement for and with Baltimore's residents who have been excluded from earning a living years after incarceration. It's the story of change hidden beneath the headlines about our city. It's a story of Baltimore that only Baltimore could tell, and we told it like it is. Thank you for listening. Higher Purpose is a four-episode audio documentary series written, produced, and narrated by me, Yasmin Mumby. Audio production, mixing, and music score by Justin Mayfield.